Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Well, here's the thing. 
years earlier, back in uh, 2014, after she had filed for divorce from her husband, she ended up in a dispute with him where he was shot in the groin. And that first-degree attempted murder charge uh, was dismissed. Yep, because it said that she was in like a self-defense type situation. Well, you better believe they're going to take a good look at this one. Because uh, was she really in a self-defense situation back then? Mm. Man, you know, these relationships, you know, Relationship Monday, if you stick around, you're going to hear some serious, serious stories. And you would think, again, that a judge would have a little better, you know, story and, uh, you know, excuse up her sleeve. Uh, I would. Come on, come on, come on. We could look at TV and get a better story than that. Well, we're going to try to follow that story and see how that turns out. Well, Monday, we had the switch with Shantice. Switch tip number 178, let go of your idols. Wow. Now, we've been talking about idols here on this due time on Wow Wednesdays, you know, a couple weeks. Yeah, about a month ago, we had this idol talk, and it was phenomenal. And, you know, we talked about having idols such as you, <laughs> yes, yeah, such as you, you know, having, a, you know, anything before God, putting anything before God definitely, you know, gives us room for idols. Yes, you know, God needs to be the first. Not us, not our people, not our children, our spouses, relationships. Yeah, you so you're going to have to keep up with this, you know, idol thing to make sure that you don't slip in you know, that pocket of having some level of idol. Because a lot of times, you know, it's not intentional. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter. No. Because God is going to definitely make you aware that this, you know, whatever you have before him is an idol. So if you don't pay attention, he'll give you what you need and then you'll still be worshiping something that you have no business worshiping. Now, the job is definitely one that most people can easily make their idol. You know, I got to get my bread. I got to make my coins. You know, they, they need me. That is, no, 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 no. Let me, before I even go any further, but let me help you understand one area that really can be an idol. When you go to work, every day they require you to be there, and then it's worship day, 
now some of us worship on Sundays, some of us worship on Sabbath, so I'm not talking about that. I'm not splitting hairs about that right now. I'm just talking about your primary worship day comes up and you too tired to go to work. Now that there easily a an idle situation. Oh yeah, as Brother Al would say, because if you could get up and go to work five days in a row and yet you start complaining about the the, the, the church and the time you spend there and where it's located and you know who how long the preacher gonna be up and how long the choir gonna sing and you know, Sister Jones' testimony is just a little too long. Yeah. But yet, you're going to get up and you're going to do that job five days a week at least. Mm-hmm. So that's one area where we definitely, you know, make an idol. Okay? We make an idol in that area real easily so you know that's my uh that's my caution to you this morning all right well tuesday we did not have it's due time with pastor steph because blog talk uh was under some level of maintenance so we couldn't get on but i really hope you went back and listened because I just want you to know we have about 1,100 episodes out there. Yes, 1,100. So you've got praying for my husband's. Boy, you've got a whole arsenal of, you know, Areas you can pray for your husband, whether it's praying for my husband's finances, his work, mm-hmm. whether we're praying for his relationships, his fatherhood, his affection and sexuality, his temptations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there were about 30 of those in and of itself. Then you had... Uh, a whole nother level of, you know, if God cut out my, wait, if God did surgery on my husband, he would cut out his, ooh, you got like 12, 13, 15 of those, if not more, you've got, let's see, the Word Prayer Project, oh, we've got like 60 some odd Times we prayed together. Woo! And then on top of that, you have almost four years of his due time with Pastor Steph. So when we are down, have no fear. God has given you a whole slew of this, of this, a Closer Walk Christian talk show, a Closer Walk Media Network. Man, there's no reason why you can't go back and listen. Okay? All right. Well, today is Wow Wednesday. Yes, and you know how we get it done over here on this due time with Pastor Steph. It is Ladies' Day. 
Yeah, you get to hear from the ladies. So we're going to get this morning started with our girlfriend Vivian and her socially conscious segment. So get ready, get ready, get ready, because we don't know what kind of stories Vivian's coming up with this morning. So go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. Don't go nowhere, because we will be right back. About one in five people experience the perception of noise or ringing in the ears. It's called tinnitus. Dr. Gayla Poling says tinnitus can be perceived a myriad of ways. 90% of those with tinnitus have hearing loss. Hearing loss can be age-related, come from a one-time exposure, or exposure to loud sounds over a lifetime. Dr. Poling says the tiny hairs in our inner ear may play a role. Those little hair cells in our inner ear are really delicate structures. That's what is actually damaged with noise exposure. Dr. Poling says there's no scientifically proven cure for tinnitus, but there are treatment and management options. Something as simple as getting a hearing aid to really treat the hearing loss. Other options include using a sound generator or using a fan at night. There's something called tinnitus retraining therapy. They're um, more ear-level masking devices where you can hear sounds throughout the day, too, that are more distracting. If ringing in your ears bothers you, start by seeing your health care provider for a hearing test. For the Mayo Clinic News Network, I'm Ian Roth. I'm excited to share this Wednesday morning with you, and I'm looking forward to what we got to talk about today, all right? All right. Well, don't let me hold you up any longer as uh, we're chomping at the bits to hear from our girl, Vivian. So, let's say good morning to Vivian. Where is she? There she is. There she is. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday. How are you, Pastor? I am well. Thank you, Vivian. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm doing good. All righty. Well, you know I always ask you, what you got for us today? All right. Today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off 
with what I am considering to be an update on this whole migrant situation. So reports say that a that U.S. citizenship is about to get more expensive. They say fees associated with becoming an American citizen are set to rise on April 1st of 2024. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services has announced the cost of filing an application for naturalization form or the N-400 form will go up from $640 or $725 if biometric work is needed. So it will be going up from those to $760. Meanwhile, the overall price for filing the forms needed for legal permanent residency, also known as the green card packet, will rise from $1,760. to $3,005. The USCIS, which is the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, say they administered the oath of allegiance to more than 878, I'm sorry, 878,500 new citizens in fiscal year 2023, and according to the DHS, which is the Department of Homeland Security, they're saying that there were approximately 9 million legal permanent residents of the United States who could apply for United States citizenship but hadn't done so as of yet. And these numbers are coming as of January 1st of 2023. So they will be raising prices for citizenship for all migrants, uh, well, for all immigrants. And that would possibly explain why they are called migrants rather than refugees or asylum seekers, because those individuals would not and do not have to pay these types of fees. Next, we have Governor Hochul in the news as reports say that she wants to permanently allow alcohol to go sales from bars and restaurants in New York. They say sales were permitted through an executive order issued during the coronavirus pandemic. The, the state passed a three-year pilot program that is set to expire this year, and Hutchell is proposing a permanent extension to the state legislature and said making the change permanent is long overdue. She says, quote, during the darkest days of the pandemic, to go drinks were a critical lifeline for our hospitality industry and a beloved treat for consumers. Since then, we've legalized to-go alcohol on a temporary basis and has been wildly successful for bars, restaurants, and everyday New Yorkers. End quote. Hutchell's office said in a statement, it's long overdue to permanently legalize to-go drinks, and in this year's budget, 
we're going to get the job done. So that is what they are focusing on as of right now. Next, we have a quick story. Reports say that the Biden administration is investing nearly $6 billion for clean water infrastructure. The money will go to every state in the country and help remove lead pipes. Vice President Harris says Americans in up to 10 million homes and children in thousands of schools and child care facilities have had to drink water coming out of lead pipes. They're saying half of the funding will be provided as grants or forgivable loans to aid disadvantaged communities in this cleanup process. So that's where she is focusing on right now. And the Biden administration is working towards giving the country some clean water with $6 billion focusing on this project. And in honor of Black History Month, we are honoring Haram R. Revels. Mr. Revels was a minister who in 1870 became the first African-American United States Senator representing the state of Mississippi. He served for a year before leaving to become the president of a historically black college. Mr. Revels died on January 16 in 1901. They say in 1870, the state Congress selected him to fill a vacant seat in the United States Senate. Debates surrounding his eligibility hinged on the 1857 Dred Scott decision, which precluded African-American citizenship. The decision was effectively reversed by the ratification of the 14th Amendment after the Civil War. Despite the pushback, Mr. Revels became the first African-American to serve in the United States Senate. His appointment was particularly symbolic and that the seat, the seat he occupied had been previously um, had previously belonged to Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy. During his time in Washington, the press praised Mr. Revels for his well-crafted speeches and diplomatic approach to a tense congressional environment. His signature issue was civil rights including the integration of schools and equal opportunities for black workers. In addition to his administrative and teaching roles, Mr. Revels remained involved with the Methodist Church, continuing to preach publicly until the end of his life. And again, he died January 16th of 1901. But today we are honoring him for his works and his accomplishments. This has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories, and again, for the rest of February, we would be honoring our Black um, African American, um, our African American people, in honor of Black History Month. So, if you have someone that you want to throw in the in the ring to be honored. Please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM and come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. 
Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Seth. Wow. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you for that news. Nice socially conscious set of news this morning. So thank you. So you're going to hang out with us today as our Lady Tamika is unavailable. So we welcome you to throw your hat into the ring. So let's talk about our news. Well, let's hear first from our Elder Natisha. Let's say good morning to Elder Natisha. Good morning, Elder Natisha. Good morning, family. Good morning, listeners. Happy to be on with you all. Oh, thank you for joining us this morning. So, we've got our first story about this uh, U.S. citizenship fees are going up, 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 and away. And uh, interestingly enough, we end with the fact that the migrants would not have to pay these fees. So what do you think about the increase? What do you think about the fact that they're saying 9 million are out here in the United States who can actually apply but just haven't done so. Woo, this particular story is quite loaded, in my opinion. What you got for us today, Elder Natisha? No, I um, before Elder Natisha goes, I'm sorry. Did I get something wrong? N- migrants, yeah, migrants would have to pay. They are not refugees oh, they would. or I'm asylum sorry. seekers, so they would. Okay, okay, ooh. Okay, thank you so much. I stand corrected. Please forgive me. All right, so migrants do actually have to pay this fee, correct? Yeah, I, I think. Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, sorry about that, folks. All right, Elton, Natisha, take it away. Uh, yeah, I just I feel that um, I feel I agree with you. I think it is loaded. I think that it is unfair that someone who actually comes by way of the correct process uh, will be charged, while those who are asylum seekers who are coming in um, illegally um, won't have to pay anything at all. And so, again, I think this is another iteration of Robin Peter to pay Paul. So you'll, you know, you'll give a higher wage or, or charge a higher tax to, you know, the person who's done the right thing while the person who has not done the right thing per se um, gets to just walk away scot-free. But not only do they get to walk away scot-free, they are given. So in other words, we're going to <laughs> increase the fees for the migrants. So they're going to pay more, and then we're going to turn around, though, and give uh, $53 million billion um, in debit cards to the asylum seekers who came in here by climbing over the wall, right? So I think, again, when we sit at these tables and we're having these conversations, how does this make sense when we think about it? How does this make sense? Who's at the table? We continuously ask that question. Who's at the table with y'all when y'all are thinking this through? It seems like your minds are very fragmented where 
okay, well, the, the migrants, this is what we're going to do over here with them. And then the asylum seekers, we're just going to give them the We don't know them. At least the migrants, they've had to pass tests. They've had to prove their citizenship. They've gone through all of the correct channels. We, we, we've sent them through some things. The asylum seekers, we don't know y'all. I don't mean no harm. We don't know you. We don't know what gangs you were a part of before you got here. We don't know you. We don't know what you were doing. And so to just allow them to be scot-free but then charge those who went through the correct process seems very unfair to me. Mm-hmm. Nice way to get this party started. Let's say good morning to Shantice, and let's hear what you got to say about this uh these fees. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, good. I'm well, thank you. I'm well. So, what's your word and thought on this uh, U.S. citizenship and the fees and the fact that they're being increased, so forth and so on? It sounds like we're finally starting to hear why they were allowing a lot of them to just come over because it's now you're here and now you have to pay a fee to in order to become a citizen and not only a fee but we're increasing the fee how are they supposed to be paying this with what so you (laughs) you invite them over here you invite Mm. them over here and now they have to pay to be here how does that work I don't, I don't know. So it's like, oh yeah, come to this free party. But why are you here? Pay this cover charge. And it's like, you how how do you do this? So it's like, oh okay. So here now it's starting to leak out how you're you know profiting off of them being here. And then not only that, it's not even like they were here and they were living it up. And then that was like, hi, you thought that was for free? No, you got to pay in order to be. It's like I it, it sounds crazy to me. Mm, all right, all right. These are some this is some food for thought over here from you ladies. Vivian, you're the one who brought us this crazy story. What you got? <clears throat> what do you think of this? Well, where Shantice went is exactly where my head went. So um, I feel like there's some clarity that needs to be done. So the refugees and the asylum seekers, do not have to pay for these types of services. And I believe that's why they called these people migrants and didn't give them those titles. In my mind, this was all part of the plan. We allow them to come in. We don't title them as refugees or asylum seekers because those people would not have to pay these um, fees to become citizens of the United States of America. So we label them as migrants. We We allow them to come in in droves. And then we charge them. And then on top of that, we're going to increase what it costs for you to become an American citizen and force you to pay it or go back to where you come from. So I feel like this is all part of the plan, and it kind of explains why they were allowing so many of them to come in as they did, why they are kind of like sweeping a lot of the things that's going on with them, all these illegal things that's going on and how they're just getting away with crime because if they if they started punishing them for what they're doing out here then they would have to go back to where they came from which means money is lost so i feel like 
this, this, I feel like this is shining a light on a lot of questions that were had. Well, why aren't they locking these people up? Why are they allowing these crimes to go on? Why aren't they, um, you know, trying to send them back? Or why aren't they doing anything at this point? And we knew it was about the money. But now I feel like this article and this new revelation is definitely kind of, you know, solidifying exactly what our thoughts were in the beginning. Because how many immigrant, how many mi- migrants came into this country, and if they all have to pay for for these services, how much money is that making? And then it says on the United States, um, the USCIS page, it says if you cannot pay the immigration fee, a family member, a friend, employer, attorney, or accredited representative can pay for you. So they understand, hey, you may not have the money, but you got to find a way to get it, but you're going to have to pay. Mm. Wow. I'm sandwiched in between you ladies. You know, it, it, this, it, there's no sense here. And you're talking about some steep fees. You're talking about $760 on one side. You're talking about 3000 plus on the other side, and you have these droves of people who you come here, and like Elder Naitisha started with, you're giving them. You're giving them. And and I've said this on on here before. As a person who was an HR and payroll manager, there were many times I had to fill out forms. So if Maria, and I'm saying this, intentionally if maria had a brother she wanted to to sponsor to come over here and, and he was going to you know file for citizenship there's there was a, there's a huge process to that you don't just throw their name in the hat and they 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 head on over they have to maria has to show quite a few things. Maria has to show, first of all, she's got an income. I had to give income information. She had an income that showed that she could not only support her family, because she had to itemize for, you know, uh, the, the powers that be, if you will, how many people were in her family, how many people, you know, what the income uh, was for that particular family, and that they could actually afford to bring Pedro here, and then they had to show that Pedro was going to have a job when he got here. They had to show that he would have a place to live when he did this. This was not no easy process. So now you've led, as of the other day, they gave a count of 177 thousand people in 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 between 2022 and 2023 so you let this influx of people come in who have no money you knew these people have no money and like like it has been said you don't know anything about them but the other process says you don't come here like that they got to get paperwork from back home for pedro they got to get what pedro was doing oh it was extensive so this this here 
This is all jaded. This is some shenanigans that the United States is pulling, and like has been said by the ladies, hey, all of a sudden now they're supposed to pull this money out of nowhere. Now, you didn't take care of these people. You have to take care of these people. You didn't came in. You didn't house these people. You haven't been able to house them when before Maria had to prove she had to house them. So, you know, this here, this here is low Dead and United States is going to start pouring out all their backdoor plans and schemes, and this is going to really reveal um, what's going to happen. And and to close this down, uh, if th- there was two things that would happen: a, if you could not at the end of the day, if Maria and Maria husband or Maria and her sister. You know, uh, 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 Magdalena could not prove that they could handle Pedro coming <laughs> over here. Pedro didn't get here. They would not allow Pedro here. And two, when Pedro got here, he better walk a fine line, baby, because if not, they was putting him back on the plane to go back to Venezuela. So did this here with the with the crime level, like for, um, uh, Viv was just talking about, all of that with them coming here and being arrested? Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Remember some of the news stories we give before these people, three months, two months into the time they've gotten here, that they have arrived here, they're already committing crimes. Well, Pedro will be on the first thing smoking back to his country. Now, this here, this is very different. So I'm interested in seeing, okay, so you collecting all this money from all these other people who had to get here through the right process at the same time you're letting all the other. So, so where's even room for the other people to have to apply? You're letting them in for free. And then they got to pay. Okay, yeah, like yeah, like with what? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll see how that works. Woo, baby. Now, we got Governor Hochul. Boy, I tell you, can they do this to us or can they do this? So you've got, during the pandemic, they started this drinks to go, or to go drinks, either way, where they were allowing people to carry it out. Well, you know, they did it for whatever the reason back then. However, she's decided to extend this thing to a th- for a three-year pilot. Now, this is another loaded situation. All right, Shantice, you got first grabs at this one. I was actually shocked. The first place I noticed they were doing that during the pandemic was Cheesecake. I went in there one day, and, you know, all they pretty much had set up was the to-go area, and I noticed the sign they had when you can pick up your food, they had a dis- <laughs> a display of, like, the beer bottles and a wine glass. And, you know, this one was like, you know, you can order your drinks to go. And I was like, since when we do this? Like, y'all that desperate for money? That's all that that is, desperation. Not only that, there's a law called the Dram Shop Law, where if I drink at your establishment and I leave here, and I go and cause an accident, whether it's a fatality or whether I just hurt the piece, the person or the people, they can now not only 
come at me legally, but they can now pursue you legally as the establishment because you are where I was when I got drunk, when I was impaired and I left here and got behind the wheel of my car. So I'm trying to figure out what sense does this make or is this another way for you to set people up for you to get money with fines and fees and all this? If I know that there's a law out here like this, but yet, you got, what pilot? People have died already. You have this. This isn't like an experiment. Like let's see how this is gonna go. Let's see if people would really leave here drinking. It's almost like legalizing weed, and then you put up signs talking about. Oh, don't drive high. Are y'all dumb? You can't stop people from driving drunk, but now you're going to legalize weed and then tell people don't drive high? It's like, this sounds like the first the first story. It's like y'all just setting people up so that you can profit off of this. Mm-hmm. All right, and again, some whole lot of stuff put out there. Food for thought. Vivian, what you got? I agree. That's the first place that my mind went to as well was the weed because you opened up this Pandora's box not fully thinking about the consequences, and now look what we got. Now you got to come up with different laws about people who smoke weed before they get behind the wheel of a car or the, the police officers now who are fighting to, to be able to, to smoke and not be penalized for it. And I don't understand. I could get why it was done during the pandemic, but the way that it was put, like, oh, in the darkest times of the pandemic, we did this for our people. Like, are we serious? Because that's what our people needed during the pandemic was a legal way to walk around getting drunk. And now to make this more of a permanent thing, that's what we need to be fighting for right now. Like, there's not enough craziness going on outside now especially like, you know, the NTA and things like that. People don't need much to do the things that they desire to do, to slap somebody in the face for no reason, to push somebody in the tracks for no reason, to, to harm people or rob people for no reason. And now we're going to add to that that you can walk inside of a restaurant or a bar and walk out with a cup of alcohol legally and drink it. Like, why, why is this a thing? I don't think they're really thinking this thing through. You ladies are pouring it out today. Elder not Tisha. America does not love uh its people. From the way <laughs> that um from the way that um our serving size with food, you cultivate and create obesity because of the serving size of the food that you give. And now you, you add to it the ability for people to um cope with uh, alcohol or drugs by legalizing these things and making it accessible to to your people. You don't love us. You don't love Americans. You don't love your people, period. And this is the reason why. We have to go to the one that does love us, that gives us the ability to control ourselves, to, to find refuge in him, so that instead of turning to any of these things that we use as coping mechanisms, because that's what they're saying, at our darkest hour, we gave you a coping mechanism. <laughs> we didn't give you Jesus so much for in God we trust. We didn't give mm-hmm. you God. 
a coping mechanism in your darkest moment. Look what we did for you. <laughs> and so now if we start thinking and, and journeying back through all of the stories that we've covered on this broadcast, we've talked about the increase in accidents, car accidents. Is there no linkage? I'll be curious to see. What is the linkage between the free alcohol or the, 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 the to-go cup versus this, um, you know, the, the spike in, in accidents and reckless driving? We had a whole segment talking about how it was spiked within the past couple of years. Well, I wonder, I, I wonder what the linkage is between these things. And so uh, you, you, we can't look to um, America, and this is why we can't put our patriotic hat on above our identity as Christians, as our identities in Christ, because you're choosing the one that doesn't love you oof, for the one that against the one that does instead of the one that does. We got to we have to wake up. And, and be smarter about the decisions that we're making as a people and where we're putting our beliefs and where we're putting our energy and focus. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as I was uh, listening to Vivian give this this piece here, my, I started, I was scratching my head because I'm saying to myself, two gold drinks. You already give them two gold drinks. It's called the liquor store. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Help me get this here. You, all you got to do is go to the liquor store. You do what you want to do. So you already gave them the thousands of spirit stores, wines, and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff that already exist. Now you pad this with saying, okay, you know what? Um, you know, we did it during a pandemic. Well, another reason why you did it during a pandemic was because you didn't allow many people to sit up in the lounge or the restaurant or mm-hmm. the bar. It was limited. You could not, you know, the capacity was was lowered because of COVID. So you to, to, to compare this to, oh, we did it during a pandemic, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, all these people with this cabin fever and all of this kind of nonsense, that was another reason why. See see what you put out there? See, this is what happens. And mm-hmm. see, it's funny that Elder Natisha went there with who you choose or where you choose to, to or how you choose, rather, to, to you know, get, relieve yourself. Because when everybody was yelling cabin fever, cabin fever, cabin fever, now you didn't just fed these these uh these uh politicians to believe oh this is how we can help them. When in actuality we have the biggest, the biggest and best um outlet possible and inlet if you want to, if you will. So I I'm I'm listening and I'm saying you actually are telling these people you gotta to go, but yet you better not catch them with it in the car. It better not be an open container. You know, even if the person sitting in the front seat with you has an uh, an open container, it it's it's falling on the driver because they're gonna believe that the driver was participating in the drinking. I mean this this here Again, loaded, because this is another way they can snag you and, mm-hmm. and get whatever it is they can get from you in by any means necessary. So, you know, are you going to fall for the okie doke You know, yeah, 
Yeah, because all you want, see, see, here, here's the way the enemy gets you. The enemy makes you think that this is a good thing. Oh, they let mm-hmm. us have out the gold drink. When in actuality, you just fall for the okie doke. So, you know, yes, we have talked about Vivian was the one who brought the story about the increase. And there's a couple of times she brought that story uh, to us for us to discuss. And now here you are saying, here you go. Go ahead. Go kill somebody. Kill yourself. Kill the children. All of this kind of stuff, because not only that, but now you've got people in the street with children who have now... Let lower their guards and everything. Anything and anything can happen. So, you know, there's so much to this particular story as well. And and it gets extended into another area that was brought out, I tell you. All right, so kill the kids, kill the kids, kill the kids. And that's what we've been doing with the lead. You're trying to figure out where all this lead is coming from in their system. Well, now we're hearing that it's in the pipes you know, um, of the homes, the schools, and the child care facilities. Is that why you coming up with all of this mental illness? Oh, I'm wondering why. Okay, Vivian, you got first grabs at this one. Um, I was mostly looking at the amount of money that they're giving. I think that's kind of lowballing it, to say that you're giving it to every state and to think of the amount of facilities and establishments that have to change out their pipes, I don't think that's enough money. And to, and, to, and to compare that to what they have given some other things, I think that that's really lowballing it. So is it really, like, do y'all really care? Like, I, I'm questioning that. Because I don't think that's mm-hmm. enough money to really fix the problem. And then to say to give it to them as loans or, or grants and all that type of stuff, forgivable loans, that you have to possibly go apply for. You wasn't giving out loans and grants to the migrants when y'all was talking about giving mm-hmm. them free um, um, prepaid cards and things. But now this mm-hmm. is something that that I, as a homeowner or you know a building uh, owner or a childcare facility owner, I have to go and apply for and fight for this money in order to keep my children safe or to keep myself safe. This is basic necessities at the end of the day. Water. Is basic necessities. So I, I, I'm not really feeling it. No. All right. Elder Tisha. I agree. I went right where Vivian went with that. Like we're giving money away. See, and this is the stuff that pisses people off because you're giving money away to people who are, who are not from this country, yet you want to offer loans for our basic necessities, for things that we need that are causing illnesses. And for how long has this been an issue or a problem? How, how long? And so, like you said, Pastor Seth, in your introduction, if we consider the spike in um, those who are on the spectrum, I, I think one would have to ask, like, what is it that's in our food? What is it that we're in, in, in what we're drinking? What are we consuming that are causing um, us to have all of these these different illnesses and in our children to be diagnosed at a higher level at autism? Uh, like, we, this is not new, and so we know, right, that autism isn't new. However, what we are able to identify is that our, the number of children uh, diagnosed with autism has increased tremendously. 
And so, again, it, 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 it's worth us looking back on what we're consuming and what we're putting in our bodies. And I do know that to some degree, right, we have to trust the water that's coming from our pipes. Therefore, we shouldn't have to pay for that. That shouldn't be a loan. That should be something that you do for right. your people. Again, America don't love us. <laughs> Ooh, they showing more and more and more. Ooh, Shanties. What are you saying about these lead pipes and the billions of dollars that they're putting out here with this clean water initiative? I'm just thinking about how we get a water bill for something that no one invented. <laughs> like, I want to know who the fuck You know what? I'm opening an office, and we're going to charge people for water. Like, I, I, would, I would love to know that. Whose history is that? I don't think that's black history. But nonetheless, we have to pay for water, and now we're faced with this issue. So I have to now pay you for possible lead water. And then now on top of that, you're going to give me a loan? You've been ripping me off for years. Mm. Then the thing that keeps me paying for is painting. But now you're talking about giving a loan, and it goes right back to what the other ladies were saying. It's not enough. And then why do I have to be hit with all these contingencies to be healthy? Like this, so I have. This is a necessity. Water is not a luxury. Okay, this is a necessity. Not only have you been ripping me off for this, this is something that I need. And then now I have to be hit with all of the the small fine print lettering that I need a magnifying glass to read in order to have some peace of mind regarding something that I need that is not optional, whether I'm drinking this, bathing with this, cooking with this, whatever, cleaning with this, it is a concern. Again, this is just another way for them to capitalize off of us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, I'm listening to all, you know to you ladies, and and again, you know, adding to what you've said, such fine points of this not being enough, and you know, this needs to to just be a thing. We're coming through, and we're replacing pipes. That's it. That's it. Not grant loan forgive whether it's forgivable or not. You know, why are you giving me a loan and then telling me it's it's a forgivable loan? Why why is that even terminology that that's being used? You know, right now you're you're talking about the children and you're saying that, you know, it's in the homes, it's in the schools, it's in the child care facilities. Well that's the first reason why you need to make sure, like Shanti said, this is an essential thing. So you need to make sure that it just happens. The government is responsible for this. So now you now make it my issue. You now make it where I gotta fill out a piece of paper. I gotta go for a grant. If I don't fill out the paperwork properly, will I be denied? See, well, why we got to worry about all of this? Why we have to be concerned with all of this when we are watching the progression of our children's health 
deteriorating. How many mm-hmm. children have cancer? How many children have allergies? How many children are, 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 are mentally ill? How many other issues are these are these children enduring that years and years and years ago we we were coming from the same pipes? Oh Lord have mercy! But we were managing differently. It was happening for us differently, but now it's not. And why? Because it's being combined with the food. It's being it's, 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 now we've got nine hundred things on the list, whereas years ago it may have just been the pipes. But now we've got the bad food mm-hmm. and the pesticides on the food and where the food is grown and you know how y'all feeding the animals and all of the or how you tilling the ground. All of these things are added to why our children are suffering physically. Physically, mm-hmm. they're going through. And for you to now come and talk about, well, we're going to give you $6 billion. What's that for? One state? If even that. It, the, the materials have to be purchased. The labor has to be done. The time has to be spent. That stuff there costs money. So this six billion dollars for 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 what 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 amount of territory are we talking about? Because if you did schools in one state, you could cover that. You ain't talked about the child care facilities or the homes. So you know, are you really doing something? Listen, here's what I say: print the money, make it happen, and go away. This just to happen. Let's just make it just as plain and simple as that. With just endless money, 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 money. The way we got endless water, God gives us water. It's money, 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 money. Just spend it. Just make it. Print it. Spend it. Make it happen. Because this here, this is silly. This is really, really mm-hmm. silly. So, so we didn't. We didn't have an option as to what type of pipes went into the schools, the the the, the child care facilities, or the homes. So, you make it happen. That's what was available. That's what was used. Now you make it happen. Plain and simple as that. Woo! Vivian and got people all hot under the collar this morning. How dare you? Um, it's only Wednesday, girl. It's only Wednesday. Uh, we're going to salute Mr. Rebels, who became our first African-American senator. So amen and big ups to him. Um, thank God for that level of uh, accomplishment and placement. And now we have... You know, the the African-Americans in this ring. Now, what kind of difference they're making, (laughs) but they're in the seats. So, ah, amen. All right, so I have two things I want to do with you ladies this morning. And one, I want to give a wild story. And I I caught this story the earlier part of the week, and I, uh, I, uh, I really wanted to present it to you all to see what your thoughts were. So there's a story about a woman who is a part of a group of ladies. Now, they don't quite say how old the women are. I would like to believe maybe they're in their 30s and 40s. So here's the story, ladies. She says she's had these same group of friends since high school. So 
they got to be somewhere thirties, forties, early forties. And she said it's five altogether. She says all of them have children except for them, and what they do is uh, once a month they no, I think it's once a week they go out to eat, and what they do is it's a round robin thing. So everybody takes a turn paying for the meal for everybody and everybody kind of orders the same thing and if they drink you know i guess they they cap that like one drink blah 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 so the bill always looks the same it's not like there's this major um influx for one particular person and now this we're going to argue over the bill no they say they have the same stuff they have one alcoholic drink and they split two bottles of sparkling water for the table along with whatever their entrees are. Now, what they've decided to do is they, they have four children because four of the five have kids, and they have decided that they were going to hire a babysitter to um, watch the children the time when they have drink, um, dinner together. So they, the round robin went along, and now it's this particular woman's turn to pay. So she said that they had dinner as usual, um, and they hugged, and they went about their, bill, their, their business. She said she paid for the dinner like she normally does. Everybody kissed, hugged, and said goodbye. She said when she got home, she said now she's got this influx of text messages from the group, and they said that she owed a hundred dollars. So she said she didn't know. She told them, you know, I don't know what you're talking about because I paid the bill, no problem. Well, they said that it was her turn to pay the babysitter fee for that week because when they did the round robin, they would pay for the food and then they would pay the $100 fee. So she said that she, she, her response was, well, how are you coming to me for that part of, of the bill when I don't have any children in the equation? So she said that they said, that she still needed to pay her share. So she said, well, what share? And they said, I want to make sure I get this quote properly. <laughs> they said that, wait, I'm sorry, I, I lost it, but I got to tell you all what, what they said. They said, you get the pleasure of hanging out with us and it's the only way we can do it kid-free. So she wrote into TikTok, and she explained this, and she said, I, I, I don't think I'm wrong, but please give me your feedback. So I'm asking you ladies to please give the feedback, and I'm going to compare it to what, the, her responses were on TikTok. Vivian, I'm going to give you first dibs at this one. This is exactly why my attorney said you ain't got no blankety blank friends. <laughs> because <laughs> if, 
if this is first tip, I don't want it. I am one of the only people from my high school friend group that do not have kids to this day. And I cannot imagine them coming to me, planning the girls' date, trip, whatever, and expecting me to pay for their children's babysitter. And my and my friends don't have one. Most of, most of them have several children at this point, and I have none. And for them to come to me and say, you get the pleasure of hanging out with us, and you got to pay for the babysitter or help pay for the babysitter, that is crazy. I don't need friends that much. I don't need a day out that much that I would that I would I would agree to this. This sounds like what what we just discussed about the migrants. Like you 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 put this plan out there and then you then you hit somebody with the with the okie doke, expecting them to pay a hundred dollars for the babysitter. That don't sound like this was agreed upon before she went out had a good old time with her friends, and, and then after she gets home she's hit with this. That's crazy. I don't think she's wrong. I do not think she's wrong. That, the, the parents need to get together and pay for the babysitter. And then those who enjoy the food and the drinks and things like that, that's a separate bill. But don't put that on her. That's crazy. Okay, okay. We're going to work our way backwards. We're going to leave Elsa and Atisha because she's the only mom on this panel outside of myself. But, Shantice, what say you? They have to have been on our side of the fence. This is why we can't rise as a people. This, that is one of the most tackiest things I have ever heard. This, You know what it sounds like? It sounds like I don't drink, y'all do, but y'all want me to, contrib- to contribute to the part of the bill for y'all alcohol drinks. Like Vivian said, I also am, I think, the only one, maybe one or two other people, if that, out of the group of people that I grew up with and went to school with, that's elementary, junior high, and high school, and college, where uh, I'm, I'm not a mother. I'm not a parent. And there's no way. It's a luxury for you to hang out with me. Like, 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 let's be real, okay? Because how much do you have to talk about? Especially a lot of the time if you're a millennial parent. Because so half of y'all are still learning how to parent. So let, let's be for real. Me as a single person, my conversations and my stories are a lot more exciting, most likely, than yours. So let's not try to gaslight <laughs> here, okay? Secondly, I'm pretty sure that the we should get a babysitter for these kids was a conversation amongst the mothers, not the mothers and the plus one. So here again, you're trying to now put your burden on someone else. Extremely tacky. She is not wrong at all. And that would be the last time they have pleasure hanging out with me. They they, they get that pleasure. Because next time it'll be something else. Next you'll be telling me I got to pay for your gas to get home or all that. No, no, I'm, I'm all right. Elder Natisha, the mom in the group, what say you? 
that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I, you know, I think I, I, absolutely there needed to be a conversation to say, hey, in order for us to do this, right, this is where a friend group, we, we all, like, if we love each other, then the pleasure is all ours. You don't, it's not one person gets the pleasure of my company. No, we get the pleasure of being together, and we all contribute to whatever joys, whatever conversations, whatever aha moments, whatever emotional moments, the tears, the laughter, we all get to partake in that together. So if we together are saying, hey, this is going to be an all-in, then that's one thing, right? That's just like showing up at the table. And, and to Sarcy's point, there are many times when you know, we get to the table or whatever have you, my husband and I, we don't drink. And so we're sitting at the table, and then, maybe, you know, maybe others that are have a glass of wine or something like that or whatever, and then, you know, we just split the bill. But I think there was a conversation at the, at the top of it to say, hey, we're just going to split the bill. And, you know, we're not going to sit here and try to itemize out, you know, your two glasses of wine or whatever. Maybe you put in more of the tip. You know what I mean? Like, there's a way to work through it. But I don't think that there should absolutely be no expectation for someone who doesn't have children to have to pay for the babysitter, unless that was a conversation and she agreed to it because of the fact that she does enjoy that time out with, with her girl then that would be something that she would have the pleasure of deciding, but not an expectation. And they, y'all should eat that. Like, y'all have kids. I don't have no kids. I mean, I do, but I'm just saying if I was that person. Like, I, I don't have any children. Why, why is this even an expectation? Why is this even a conversation for us to have? Eat that, y'all. Like, y'all have kids. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that responsibility that you have on your plate. Eat that. Right. Amen. 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 There's a comment from the listeners. What you got, Shanties? Okay, a listener sent in, it would have been cheaper to bring the kids to the restaurant, to take the kids with you. <laughs> oh, might have been. Well, thank you, listener, for your comment and your, your contribution into the conversation. Well, we've got quite a bit of agreement with you ladies. That's what the the TikTokers responded with. And the TikTokers actually threw in, where are the fathers? You know, why they're not paying for the babysitters? Or why aren't they babysitting? You got four dads, or possibly, in, in this batch. Why they can't take turns? you know, with the kids, if if money is an issue, because clearly it is. You would not be talking about this. What you paying, $25 for a babysitter for you to go out? If it becomes that expensive, then y'all go out less. So, you know, this, this that's what the uh, – and, and the biggest thing, the biggest level of response from the, the TikTokers uh, was you ain't got no friends. I'd be trying to find some new friends. So they definitely agree with you ladies, and you ladies agree with the TikTokers. And I just, when I saw that, I was like, oh, no, I got to throw that out to the ladies on Wednesday to see what they have to say because, boy, this friendship thing is getting stranger and stranger. Woo! Wow. Thank you so much. What, that, uh, and I was going to say that Shanti always says it's overrated. Is you, you don't understand what being a friend truly is. Uh-huh. Well, you know, 
there's there's a topic that I came across last night that kind of fits, you know, ended up fitting what we are talking about today. You know, um, uh, we talked about uh, Governor Hochul saying that during the pandemic they did this to go um, to go drink, and Elton and Tisha brought up, you know, your your choice of, you know, do you put your you know, storm in a drink, or do you put your storm and give it to take your storm and give it to the Lord? And I'm looking at this here, this story here, and you know how that gels with this as well, because you know you have um, these are your five friends, your friends that you grew, you know you came up in high school with and you know now y'all have all started families and all kinds of things and this is your closest friends these are the people that you meet every week and now to see that the group that was what i found also interesting the group um spoke to you about this so you didn't even have an ally um in the group and, and this may bring on some level of storm because if you've decided you got to pull out and get new friends or just kind of take a breather for a little minute so that they can get it together, this might, you know, bring on some some inner turmoil, you know, because then where do you go? Um, so I found, you know, last night this, this uh, an article about how, you know, how do you deal with the inner storms, how to still the inner storms, how to comfort what's going on on the inside, you know, when the world is going crazy and when your your life has taken a sudden shift. And one of the things that was like the first thing on this list that was so key to what's been said is stop and pay attention. Oh, I, I like that one. I like that one. Elder Natisha, get us rolling, please. Yeah, I think it's important um, to identify you know, what what happens in the pause. It's interesting enough, like literally um, last night, one of the things as I was laying down to go to bed, I said, God, you know what I thank you for? I thank you that in the silence, the silence is different than it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, in my silence, there would be all kind of toxic thoughts. I'm able to see my growth in the silence. Because when it's silent, when I turn everything off, right, and I'm waiting to fall asleep, what are the thoughts that are coming to my head? Are they filled with worry, filled with anxiety? Are they filled with um, things that just take you into a deeper state of frustration or worry or, or concern? And so absolutely stop. And pay attention to what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your heart. The world is so noisy. The voices internally and externally are so noisy that we are not intentional to, to, to silence and just put ourselves in spaces of silence so that we can see how healthy we really are. See how healthy your spirit is. See how healthy your mind is. And the best way to be able to do that is in the silence. Because when it gets silent, that's when your fears start talking loud. That's when your anxiety starts screaming. That's when all of the things that people have said and how they impact you, it starts talking loud. So, yeah, it's definitely in the silence. Definitely stop. Be intentional about stopping paying attention to your external as well as your internal. 
All right. Shanties, they, you know, they, they encourage us to stop and pay attention. Why is that so essential? Because that way God can take you even, because a lot of times there's a process to get into the root and the foundation of your dysfunction, of your issues, your problems. And you, I, I really, you know what, Pastor Steph, you said that God says that anyone who listens to this broadcast will be healed. And I'm like ready to take a bus to someone and like slap them in the face. I don't think they're listening right now because this is exactly what they were just sharing with me. And we have to make sure that we appreciate the opportunity to get away from people, places, and things at times so that we can just sit with God. He does not demand that when we come to him, we have things figured out. He welcomes our confusion. He welcomes our problems so that all we have to do is just sit there and shut up and let God tell you what's wrong with you. So that you don't have to be fearful. So that, like Elder Natisha said, you're not walking around with this anxiety. A lot of the times we walking around this with, with these things, we may not be the cause of some of the issues, but a lot of times we're choosing to walk around with this, with these burdens and this weight because we just won't shut up or get away from other people who don't know how to shut up. So <laughs> that we can be in that quiet place. So that God can take us to what the problems and issues really are. And until we learn to do that, there will be no, we will never grasp what quiet really is. You know, we, we like to to put our own interpretation on it. You know, and, and I don't know about y'all, but I've been hearing people, oh, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm better. I stopped being around this person or I stopped doing this thing. And they really believe that their alternative is better but meanwhile, when you're on the outside looking in, it seems worse. And it's like, and how does this work for you? I, uh, let God tell you how to be quiet because you don't want him to, to, to silence you. You don't want that. So it's just a lot better if you just surrender to him and ask him, you give me my personalized form of being quiet. Amen, amen, amen. Vivian, stop and pay attention. That's the first way they encourage us to 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 kind of get a hold of that in a storm. What came to my mind for the stop and pay attention is the little boy who was in the pool and he was holding on to the rope and going crazy because he thought he was going to drown. And someone took his leg and just like stood him up. And it was like, oh, that, that was all? <laughs> because a lot of the times where we could possibly be stressing out and going crazy and allowing turmoil in our lives for something that has a simple solution. A lot of the times if you just stop and pay attention, you would realize that this turmoil is unnecessary. It could be an easy solution such as, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be in that area. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in that place. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in that friend group. It could be a simple solution as don't go or stop or don't do that. You know what I mean? So I think that's a good, that's a good start. Just stop and pay attention before you allow 
the, the, the turmoil and the craziness and the storm to get too wild to where it's now uncontrollable. Just stop and pay attention and see what your options are and allow God to show you where you need to pivot. All right, all right, all right, ladies. Here's one that was really interesting. Examine your heart. We're talking about, you know, bringing uh, peace and still to that inner storm. It says, examine your heart for sin. Shanties. <laughs> yes, there's a verse, there's plenty of verses that speak on our hearts, and the one that came to mind is, your heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? I'm paraphrasing y'all. So. Your heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? Only God, only God knows our heart. And that phrase, you know, God knows my heart, has been in my mind a lot because God has been showing me what's really in my heart. And I'm like, yeah, you do know my heart. And thank you for letting me know because I was really over here thinking I was feeling one way and you was like, yeah, it's like you might know. You're really feeling this. And only God has the ability to do that. And you're only going to be in tune with that if you're in tune with God. So the only way you're going to be able to check your heart for sin is to check in with God. The only way you're going to be able to check in with God is by spending quality time with God. You can't just be rushing for the train, buying your metro card. Oh, God, okay, what's going on with my heart? You can't be in the middle of chaos or, you know, doing whatever, and you're just going to ask that random question and expect God to really give you those downloads. No, it goes back to the first point. You have to have that quiet time so that he can really reveal to you what it is that you're saying, that you're doing, that you're thinking, that he is saying this is a sin. That's the only way you're going to be able to determine that. All right, all right. Oh, Vivian, they say examine your heart for sin. What does that mean to you? Um, That means to really, like, stop and be honest with yourself because a lot of the times we put ourselves into things and and we fool ourselves into believing that our intentions are good. We fool ourselves into believing, you know, that this is for for a good purpose or, you know, I'm thinking about the other person or this is not for me. But if we really stop and reflect and like Santisa, allow God to really reveal our heart motives can just end a lot of the chaos. Because if you're honest with yourself, when you're doing something with selfish selfish intentions or wicked intentions, again, it can all be it can all be over. All the chaos, all the turmoil can all be over if you just stop. Be real with yourself. Mm, all right, all right. Elder not T shirt. Uh, yeah, I well, the, the, here's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that the heart is deceitful of all things, right, and desperately wicked. And so with that knowledge, uh, it's one of the reasons why we really can't trust the stuff that comes that's in our heart, even if we think that it is moral and just. It is moral and just for who? <laughs> it, it, you, you can think that it is right, but it is right for who? It is right according to what? 
And so it's it's that it's the the inability to really answer those end questions that lead you to the point where you have to be able to say, okay, God. I need you to filter my heart, and I need you to cleanse my heart, wash my heart, and help me to be fully aware of the fact that I have the potency because I'm human and because I live in this flesh to be self-seeking, self-centered. I have the ability to be self-preserving because it's innate. It is just innate. And so it's that awareness that, that keeps us at a place of humility saying, you know what, as, as good of a person as I may think I am, I understand that my heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. And so what I think is right, the question is, is right for who? A right right according to what? All right, amen, ladies, amen. Then, you know, the, uh, another point, and put it that way, another point that they're suggesting to still or quiet that inner storm they say, throw every worry and negative emotion on God. Vivian. I think that's a good one because there's only but so much that you can do. And if you continue to allow the negative emotions and the craziness to be on you, you're only going to weigh yourself down, your relationships down, and there's nothing really that you can do about it. Because if there were, then it wouldn't be turmoil. It wouldn't be chaotic. So the only recourse you do have is to turn it over to God. At the end of the day, he's the change agent. Whether that change needs to be made in you or, you know, your spouse or your mother, your father, you know, or someone else, he's the one who's going to be able to do it. He's the only one that can make that change. So it just makes sense to just, you know, turn all these negative emotions and all these all the, this stuff that is weighing you down. It makes sense to turn it over to him and let him handle it. Amen, amen. Uh, Elder Natisha, throw every worry and negative emotion on God. Throw every negative emotion and worry on God. Um, yeah, I, my only hesitation is the, the idea of throwing it on him because I don't know that I think, I think the better lesson, and, and here's what I'll say, because I think that that worked, right? The Bible says cast, right? Which is the same as throw, cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us is what the word of the Lord says. So the problem is not in the casting or in the throwing, but I think what my experience has taught me is that. It is better for me to lay it at the feet of Jesus so that I can learn the lesson and not repeat it. If I just simply throw it, right, and I just, my cares, yes, I just, I want to throw my cares. I want to throw that. But my lessons, I don't want to just throw it so quickly. I, I want to journey with God to understand why am I processing this the way that I process it? Why do I feel this as, as intently as, as I feel this? So I may just be getting caught up in the, the you know, the technicality of, of words, but I, I'll just share that absolutely. Taking all of our cares, our concerns, and our worries to the feet of the cross, to taking it to God, 
It, it is, it, it's good for your life, it's good for your heart, it's good for your spirit, but it also is detrimental to your growth. It is detrimental to breaking you free from the, the things that this world will put on you because we do. We, we live in this world and we have this worldly experience that we are living in and we can't control other people. Therefore, what we can control is our peace of mind. What we can control is how things invade us and invade our spirit and invade our spaces. And so, yes, cast it all at the feet of Jesus. But even in your casting, be sure to learn, to leave room for God to speak into who you are as a person so that you're not repeating those things, but that you can be ultimately delivered and set free from some of those things. Okay, okay. It says, let him crown you with love and compassion. Mm, How can that make a difference during the time of your inner storm, Vivian? Let him, can you say it again, please? Let him crown you with love and compassion. Um, I think that that can make a difference because a lot of the times, I mean, I guess speaking for myself personally, a lot of the times you're going, I'm going through um, some type of storm or turmoil. It's not necessarily me by myself. It's involving someone else or something else. So when he crowns you with love and compassion, then you can start thinking and seeing things in a different manner and kind of lighten your judgment off of the other person, place, or thing that's causing the turmoil. So I think that's a good one as well. It just allows you to just think of things differently and see things differently and just have compassion towards the other person, which would just lighten your burden. Amen, amen, amen. I have to apologize. I skipped Shantice on the last round. So... Vivian, thank you so much. That's that's your exit for us this morning, and we thank God for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you, you as well. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Shantice, throw every worry and negative emotion on God. Please forgive me, and uh, here's your opportunity to take that one. Well, the two verses that came to mind with that, one is Second Corinthians 10.5, where it ends with saying, give all of your thoughts to Jesus so that he can take them captive. And Matthew 11.28-30, where he says, you know, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and he wants to swap with us. He wants to take our heavy burdens and give us his light burden. And, again, the only way we learn how to have that balance of being able to suffer the way God needs us to, when he needs us to, but still being able to experience that peace that can only come from Jesus is if we lay, like Elder Natisha said, everything at his feet, give it to him. You know, I have learned to stop trying to control things, whether it's self-inflicted things or things that's, inevitable that's just going on around me and I've learned okay I can't do nothing past this point so God this is all on you like respectfully 
You take care of that because if I keep trying to, I'm just going to stress myself out only for you to take care of it anyway. (laughs) But understanding your limits and understanding that, again, he he's welcoming our burdens so that we're not walking around here chaotic. Amen, amen, amen. Elder Natisha, please take that let him crown you with love and compassion. And I love the I love the imagery of crown because it's placing on the top of your head something that um elevates you. So him crowning you with um, with peace and, and, and crowning you with, with, with anything is literally him saying that this is what causes you to walk upright. This is the thing that will allow for your glory to be revealed. When you take on anything else, you are living beneath your privilege. But when you allow God to crown you, with, with who he is and crowned you with peace and crowned you with, with, with everything that, that, that was stated, then you are allowing him to elevate you. It places you in a different category. You no longer fit in. Start walking down the street with a crown on. Everybody's going to look at you. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out what is it that's different about you. What, what is it that's shining in you? What is this, what, what is it, why do you have a crown on your head? Who are you? People want to know, who are you? And so I I love the the imagery of that. So, yes, absolutely. Live in the majesty and the royalty that God says that we are. He calls us his royal priesthood. And so let him crown you. Amen. Amen. Shantis, let him crown you with love and compassion. Yes. Let him crown you. Let him cover you. Let him protect you. Let him put his protective barrier of his love and his gentleness. That's what comes to mind when I think of compassion, his gentleness. We know that he can empathize with us, but yet he's still so gentle with us. And with living in these streets nowadays, there is no such thing as gentleness in these streets. There is no such thing as love in these streets. So now when we go to God, we know that even in the chastisement, even in the correction, even with him telling us for the 900th time that, okay, you did that wrong, this is how I told you to do it, he's still covering you with his love and his gentleness. And despite what other people believe, that is the remedy for everything. You know, God says it doesn't matter what you do, if you don't display real love, not this sick, twisted street crap they talk about, when you display real love, that shields, it saves the multitude of sins. It, it saves you from, you know, wanting to to do anything wrong or accepting wrong. or you know, It just covers so much, and it brings you back to him. Amen, amen, amen. Well, here's one that if anybody knows Pastor Steph, woo-wee, ask God for a plan. <laughs> Y'all know me well, and that would definitely be on this list for calming and quieting uh, in a storm. Elder Natisha. 
strategy, strategy and a plan is essential to the execution of anything that we want victory in, just period. <laughs> if you don't have a plan, if you don't have strategy, and if you don't allow God to give you that plan and that strategy, then your victory is in question. Your ability to execute and have it really work for you because there are many people that can come up with their own plan and come up with their own strategies, but the victory is short-ended and short-lived. But when you allow God to give you strategy and to give you plan, you're talking about the long haul. You're talking about things that you don't even have in your foresight um, to see is what God can make happen through the fact that you've given him um, access to your life. So, yeah, having a plan, being able to write it down, listening, being intentional, right? We think about how do I get this plan? How do, how do I get this strategy? It's putting yourself in the quiet space. Is recognizing God's voice by way of your prayer life and your study life and your ability to recognize it's being open to your heart so that you can feel the unctioning of the Holy Spirit as it guides and leads you. And so then all of a sudden there is a knowing that you have about a thing. There is ideas that you have that float out of your spirit that you're like, this didn't come from my, my human mind. This didn't come from me. This came from the Holy Spirit. This came from the unctioning of God that, um, that really just lays it out for you. So it's, it's your ability to recognize how God speaks to you. How does God communicate with you? Is it through prayer? Is it through your study time? Is it in the midst of meditation? Is it in your quiet time? And it's listening and then inviting God into, okay, God, what is your will for my life? And that is the start of your plan. Amen, amen, and amen. Shantice, we're trying to quiet that inner storm. Ask God for a plan. How essential is this? Well, growing up with a mother where you have to have a plan for everything you went to her to. <laughs> went to her I'm sorry. Like, Ma, can I go to the corner store? What's the plan? So go to the store. It's on the How you getting there? Who going with you? What you buying when you get there? How you buying that? You only got two dollars. I thought that cost two fifteen. It's just like, oh, I don't want to go no more. I don't. Never mind. Forget it. Forget it. I'm not going anymore. And now, as an adult, <laughs> um, I see how God was training me from then. You know, as as a kid and a teenager, you wasn't trying to grasp nothing. All you heard was okay. All you heard was no. But I pulled up the definition of plan real quick, right? And the second definition that came up is an intention or decision about what one is going to do. And one of the synonyms, which is also in the definition, is intention. And I've learned that when I go to God with a plan, immediately he starts addressing my intentions. And then I feel like back when I was talking to my mom and I'm like, forget it, I won't do no more. Just forget it. All right. Because he starts to analyze everything. And one thing I've learned to appreciate about God is, and I, I ask God this straight out, my like, God, please shut me down. If I come to you with something that you know is outside of your will for me, whether it's right now or forever and ever, amen, please don't let me think that I got a plan for five minutes and then you shut me down, no, shut me down. Now, before I can finish asking you or before I can finish telling you, okay, God, because I'm thinking such and such, all right, thank you. No, shut me down because 
when if 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 God decides to allow you to go with your your plan, and I don't have to say it's not in His will because it's your plan and not His. Your storm it will always be a storm. It will never be quiet because He even when whether you know your intentions are wrong or not. You have no idea as to what's coming along with your plan. You can sit and try to write your plan down. But until you sit with God and say, okay, God, this is what I'd like to do, especially if you're writing it out. You know, this is what's on my mind to do. How do you feel about this? You know, how do you, and I'm learning more and more to stop going to him what I want and just asking him first, what is it that you want? Because, again, I'm, like, doing my own plan without saying I'm doing my own plan. But until you learn to do that, it's always going to be storms because, again, you never know what's going to come along with what your intentions are. We know, even if we don't know the step-by-step, we know that God is always going to have peace, and sometimes you got to get to the peace, but there's always going to be peace and, and some form of prosperity within and at the end of God's plan for you. With ours, there's always going to be a storm. All right, all right, all right. Shatice, while you have the mic, our final, our final point today is give thanks and praise God during that time of the inner storm. How does that make the difference? Yeah. <sighs> It blesses you with the peace that surpasses all understanding. I just got finished telling my church family last night that I failed another test again because there was a quick little storm that I was going through yesterday, and immediately my whole attitude changed. And I, I noticed how God, you know, is teaching me, and, and, and I'm I'm learning how to handle the storms in other areas. This is one particular area where it's like the minute. It's just like you might as well have the tornado come through here because it's just like whatever. But it's not until, again, you go to God and you allow him to bless you with that peace, you're going to forever be in that storm. Amen, amen, amen. Elder Tisha, we're shutting it down. Oh, at the time of your inner storm, give thanks and praise God. How does that make the difference and shut it all down? Yeah, it's just, it's just you is really what it does. The Bible talks, it it gives us a story about Jesus being on, on the boat with his disciples and Jesus is sleeping and the disciples are going crazy because it's chaotic. The winds are blowing, the elements are doing what the elements do and life for them right now is very scary. In fact, they're wondering if they're getting ready to lose their lives. And then Jesus wakes up, he comes to the to the top of the boat and he looks at them and he says, Where's y'all faith? And then he literally just speaks to the winds and the waves and he speaks and he causes all of it to hush and he says, Peace be still. It's it's the ability for us to be able to be at peace in the midst of the chaos. Oftentimes, we think that it is the absence of a storm that actually is the best place for us. And I would counter that. I think that it actually is watching all of the chaos around you happen 
but you don't have no fear. You have no worry mm-hmm. because you're fully aware of the God you serve who's able to speak and cause everything to shift and change in a moment. So whether it's a financial storm, mental storm, inner turmoil, emotional storm, maybe it's grief. Maybe it's the storm of grief. Like whatever the storm is, God has the ability to give us peace, to be able to shut it all down, even. And the shutting it all down is shutting it down in you. <laughs> so the storm can go on. The wind can still be raging. The wind could still be blowing, but I'm good. That is a good Mm-hmm. Amen, amen, and amen, ladies. As always, a phenomenal job. And uh, we give God thanks for all that you bring to the table. And we pray you have a blessed day. Amen. Love y'all. You too. Thank amen. you. Love you too. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All righty. Let's get that benediction. Mm, benediction of peace. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. This came up on my radar last night when I was looking for a a topic for the ladies today. And I was grateful to God for it, as always, because his word is always just so timely. God is such an on-time God. And as I look through each of these points to stilling that inner storm. I was like, wow, this is really, this was a bonus to me last night because there are times when I waffle through an inner storm. You know, it it, it doesn't last long, but it's something that hits you and then, you know, it kind of passes, and then a whole lot of other stuff goes on, and then you come back, and you're like, that storm, like, hey, hey that storm is going on. And I, I loved the points here because I got an opportunity while I was not in the, in, you know, had that inner storm going on to actually, you know, really survey this list. And, you know, when I saw the first point was stop and pay attention, You can't go forward unless you stop. See, things around you are not going to stop. It's up to you to stop and pay attention. And see, we're trying to work our way out of a storm, but if we don't first stop and survey what's actually going on around us, and, and I mean count everything. Because, see, you you can't pay attention to everything unless you stop. You you can't keep going on the trail and you're moving, you're moving, you're moving, and and you think you're going to catch everything if you don't put a pause. And and in order for you to really pay attention and to survey all of what's going around, you've got to take that pause. You've got to stop. You've got to stop and just sit still. 
quiet everything that's going on in your head. And yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do that. Stop everything that's and just watch. Watch. And watch what God reveals. Watch what God reveals to you. It, it, the, 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 the point that that was made, examine your heart for sin. I, I, I almost jumped up out my chair. I, I get a little animated, you know, internally and externally. But, but here's one of the things that, that I really liked about this particular point. The, the scripture that they gave was, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Oh, right there. Woo! Okay, anxious thoughts. Oh, if that doesn't put us in inner turmoil, nothing else will. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139, 23, 24. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We would love to believe that there's no sin going on. I ain't got no room for sin. I ain't doing nothing. I don't go nowhere. I don't talk to nobody. How can I be sinning? How can I be sinful? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. You know, the ladies brought up the heart is deceitful. Again, you know, I they, they laugh when I say, I keep telling you all about that self-assessment. <laughs> That's going to take you down, that self-assessment, because you ain't going to never see or want to see what's going on. This is why you need to stay at the feet of God. Because, see, there are things, let me, let, me, let me help you with something here. There are things that we've done five years ago that we're paying for right now because we have not confessed and repented for. Because, see, we didn't think anything of it because we thought we went past it. We thought we got through it. And we don't understand that a lot of this inner storm that we got going on is not from today. It's what has been built from yesterday, and it's been added, and, and it's compounded with other stuff. And now it's still lying there. See, the heart is a lot bigger than you think it is. See, we, we, we want to think about the heart as being this little small vessel, and it can only hold but so much. Ooh, but when it tells you it's deceitful, that means that there's little pockets of things that are sitting out there that you just haven't made right with God that still has it, today you in turmoil for something that happened years ago. Because, see, you forgot, because our memory ain't all that long. So many things happen to us from day to day. We're not remembering. So this is why you have to examine. And the only way you can examine it is if you ask God to search you. Because, again, your memory's short. There's so much going on. You ain't thinking that what you did was as bad as it was. And now you have to go to the Lord and ask God to search me. And you already know my heart. So I need you to reveal to me what this real deal is. Who? okay, you got this other point. Throw every worry and negative emotion on God. And you know what? There's a challenge of the word throw, cast. You know what? I say throw. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And you know what? Because, see, when you ask someone to pass it, when you ask someone to lay it, those that's the way you should do it. Don't misunderstand me. That's the way it should be done. 
Because it doesn't mean to just throw it and run. Because it's almost like the one who throws the bomb in the room and then they just run about it. They didn't left all this turmoil, all this chaos, and they're gone. However, the reason why I say for some of us, we need to just throw that thing. Because the longer we hold it, the bigger the mess. The longer we hold it, the longer the mess. So you know what? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Get rid of it. For those of us who have learned, because let me explain something to you. That that laying it at the feet of the altar, that's a learned behavior. Elder Natisha was talking about. See, that, that's not something that you just learn. That ain't something that she just knew from the beginning. See, this is what she had to do. Uh, 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 she had to do, go through some process before she got to the point that says, you know what? Let me just lay this at the altar. Because guess what? When you lay the problem at the altar, you also lay you at the altar. So, see, when you're not ready to lay yourself at the altar, you ain't going to be ready to lay the thing at the altar, the worry, the care, all the negative emotions. You see, that, that goes in conjunction with it and you. Because, see, when we throw something again, it's that concept of just getting rid of it and that's it. Well, sometimes that's what's needed. You just got to, and, and just turn away from it. Get rid of it. Because in order for you to get to the other points on this list, you will have to get rid of it. But I promise you, when you graduate to the point where you can lay down every weight before the Lord, it changes the entire dynamic of this getting rid of the inner storm. Because it makes the difference in just throwing it and walking away. Because, see, we all have thrown it. Those of us who now know how to lay it at the feet, we had to throw it at one point. So there's some gradation to this thing here. At least that's the way my brain takes it. Because I'm looking at, you know, as a pastor, you look across the table at people, and you get to assess those who are like, okay, you know what, please, just just, just, just throw it and walk off. Because just, just, in order for you to get to this, you're going to have to leave that somewhere. Because if you keep carrying it, which you ain't going to be able to do nothing else, just get rid of it. And, and and now work on some other stuff and then go back. You got to deal with person by person. And some of us, mm, get get rid of that thing. Just get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. We talked about crowning. It says, to be exact, let him crown you with love and compassion. And, and let me help you understand something here. <sighs> Love and compassion will definitely break you down. You're talking about calming the inner storm. Love and compassion definitely shifts you. Because you've got to walk with this crown on your head, you can't walk with your head down. You can't walk slouched because a crown is heavy. A crown only looks like a crown when it's upright. See, when it's tilted, when it's falling forward, when it's falling backwards, it doesn't have that same look. It doesn't have that same feel. So when you wear that crown, you got to walk a certain way. You also got to walk, walk at a certain speed. Mm. Digest that for a minute. You also got to walk at a certain speed. Can't run. Can't run with that crown on your head. And when you slow down, there's a chance for you to develop that love 
and compassion that you need. Sometimes you need to develop a compassion for other people, a love for other people. You've got to take the focus off you. See, we're talking about getting rid of that inner peace. Get rid of that inner peace by focusing on, I'm sorry, that inner storm by focusing on someone else. You know, when we think about the fact that so-and-so is going through, and while I'm, I'm, I'm so caught up in my own inner turmoils and my inner storms, I can't be of service to God's people. When I think about the fact that so-and-so is over here really suffering over some things that he or she could not help, but I'm over here with an inner storm over some nonsense, because at times we all go through some inner storms over things that we can help. But when I turn my attention to loving someone else, showing compassion for someone else, that makes the difference. And when you now you look and say, well, you know what, I, I ain't doing so bad. That, that's, whoa, that's not so bad after all. And it begins to calm that inner storm. Well, as Shanti said, you know, a lot of times, I always say Shanti's grew up with me, so therefore a lot of things that I did, I don't even remember some of the stuff she says. And when she said that, I always said, you got to have a plan. Oh, yeah, she was right. Even when I didn't know the Lord, I knew you had to have a plan. I always tell people, you give me a concept, I can plan it for you in 15 minutes. You, from the beginning to the end, it's nothing. That was always something God gave me. That was a gift that God gave me. But I also try to instill that in my girls. Do you always have have a goal, have a plan, have something that you're setting your sights on. Are you going to go to the store? Okay, well, you know what? A whole lot of store people ended up being a thief because they were standing at that store a little too long. They don't window shop because now you start, you know, wanting some things you ain't got no business wanting. And now it's in your pocket when it ain't no business in your pocket. So make sure you have a plan for everything you do. Now, it sounded a little heavy when she was a kid. But see, thanks be to God that as she got to be an adult, she got to partner that up with the Word of God that says, uh, have a plan, write it down, make it plain. And knowing that we should always be walking in the will and the way of God. See, our plan that we sit down and write it and make it plain should not be too far off from what God already has. Because, see, you're supposed to pray within his will. You're not supposed to be praying for a car when you have an income. See, I, I'm, I'm not about the one who say, well, you know, I'm just going to trust God. Nah, that ain't the plan. Because how many of us get a car and then it's repossessed because we can't handle it? That's because there was no plan. And you thought God was going to work out everything. Well, the Bible also says faith without works is dead. Well, it starts with the planning process. So if you stay before the Lord, there is nothing you can't do in the planning process. And you take that to the Lord. Well, well, we end up with praise God and give thanks. Boy, if that don't bring out your inner storm, nothing will. Make sure you give God thanks and praise for everything, even when things are going wrong. The Bible tells us in everything, give God thanks. You've been listening to It Do Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. 
as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Step signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us and being a part of the conversation. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares. Where it's Therapeutic Thursday Go back and listen to this episode Because everything that you heard here today Is a learned behavior Didn't come overnight Until tomorrow God spares I love you